Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres is calling for an immediate ceasefire in the Gaza Strip, stressing that the humanitarian situation there is beyond words. A survey of some of the world's chief economists ahead of the World Economic Forum meeting suggests the world will see imbalanced development in the year ahead. And we introduce Nauru, which is set to re-establish diplomatic ties with China. We begin with the United Nations. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres is calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza, saying the humanitarian situation there is beyond words. The head of the UN also said he's worried by the security situation in the West Bank, Lebanon, and the Red Sea. Jody Jacobs reports from New York. The UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres says there is only one solution to help address all the issues in Gaza and that is an immediate humanitarian ceasefire. The situation continues to deteriorate as humanitarian workers call for decisive action to be taken to allow aid access, especially to northern Gaza. While there have been some steps to increase the flow of humanitarian assistance into Gaza, life-saving relief is not getting to people who have endured months of relentless assault at anywhere near the scale needed. The long shadow of starvation is stalking the people of Gaza, along with disease, malnutrition, and other health threats. And I'm deeply troubled by the clear violation of international humanitarian law that we are witnessing. Guterres spoke to members of the media here at the UN headquarters on Monday and says he fears for the spillover effects the situation in Gaza is having on the entire Middle East region. This as tensions continue to escalate as the Houthis attack U.S.-owned ships in the Red Sea after the U.S. and allies carried out airstrikes against the militia group to stop their assault on international shipping. Cauldron of tensions in the occupied West Bank is boiling over with heightened violence, compounding an already dire fiscal crisis for the Palestinian Authority. Tensions are also sky high in the Red Sea and beyond and may soon be impossible to contain. I have serious concerns about daily exchanges of fire across the blue line. These risks triggering a broader escalation between Israel and Lebanon and profoundly affecting regional stability. Guterres also said that the UN's aid operations face significant hurdles at the Gaza border, as vital materials which include life-saving medical equipment and parts which are critical for the repair of water facilities and infrastructure have been rejected with little or no explanation. The Secretary-General added that the levels of civilian killings in Gaza are unprecedented during his years as Secretary-General. And while he made his address from New York, his colleagues from the UN Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees, who had visited Gaza over the weekend, said that the past hundred days had seen the largest displacement of Palestinian people since 1948. The organization says overcrowded and unsanitary shelters have become home to more than 1.4 million people. And there is a lack of everything from food to hygiene to privacy. That was Jody Jacobs reporting from the United Nations. 
over to Europe. A survey of some of the world's chief economists ahead of the World Economic Forum meeting suggests the world will see imbalanced development in the year ahead. They believe geoeconomic fragmentation will widen the gap between the richer and poorer economies. Evangelist Sipsas reports from Davos. Geopolitical uncertainty and tight financial conditions. That's what global chief economists warn will slow down economic growth. While this year's theme here at the World Economic Forum is artificial intelligence, with many wanting to know how much of an impact it will have, leading economists say it would only widen the inequality gap. Conducted each year ahead of the World Economic Forum in Davos, the survey of 60-plus chief economists drawn globally from private and public sectors attempt to sketch priorities for policymakers and business leaders. This year's outlook isn't as promising, with 56% of those surveyed answering that the global economic conditions will weaken this year. They see a significant weakening in Europe, and some even expect it to be very weak. While they expect the same for North America and the Middle East, in South Asia, East Asia, and the Pacific, things look positive. With many of those shaping the world's economy, hoping to see a continuation of growth in China. I'm expecting him to talk about how China will continue to grow, continue to steer the economic growth in the world. And as China is one of the global leaders when it comes to artificial intelligence, many believe it will boost productivity in high-income economies over the next five years, but also in low-income economies at a slower rate. Although here at the World Economic Forum, they will be launching a new approach to growth and help policymakers balance it when it comes to the environment, technologies, and other priorities. Its managing director says that an economic growth for the year ahead will be tested. That was Evangelist Sipsas in Davos. Thousands of tractors have converged in Berlin as farmers protest against the government's plan to end tax breaks on diesel. An estimated 30,000 protesters blocked the streets of the German capital on Monday, bringing the city center to a standstill. The government defended the cut in subsidies, pointing to an increase in farmers' income last year. Peter Oliver has more from Berlin. Well, Farmageddon has hit Berlin again. It was the same last Monday. However, this time around, it's on a much larger scale. Official numbers are putting it around 30,000, the numbers that have taken part. I think once the the dust settles, that will be revised up significantly. Um, The farmers' protest, which is taking the form of they've they've brought, well, it's not just farmers, it's worthwhile pointing out. It's really a a farm-to-table protest, it's being called in some circles, because it's those directly involved in agriculture, but those that also involved in every process of the food network, the food system here in Germany, right through to restauranteurs and wholesalers. Um, they've brought out tractors, trailers, forklift trucks and some sensors and blocked roads around the city centre. Um, a rolling protest has been going around the city past us here next to the German economy ministry. Um, during that protest, we have seen a lot of support from uh, the far-right opposition party alternative for Germany. We've also seen from the protesters themselves a lot of uh, alternative for Germany banners and flags and also the, the speeches from the, the stage have also reflected a lot of the talking points from alternative for Germany uh, that there's cronyism in the current government that there's uh, embezzlement even accusations in the current, current government and warmongering from the current coalition government here this protest ostensibly about phasing out the government wanting to phase out and the subsidy for agricultural fuel but it's really 
turned into a protest for dissatisfaction with the current coalition. Now, it fell to the finance minister, Christian Lindner, to represent the coalition government on stage here in Berlin and speak to uh, the, the protesters. He was greeted with jeers and boos, and through all of that, he managed to get out a message that was essentially... We are all going to have to tighten our belts financially, but ultimately the message is there's, there's no money left. That was Peter Oliver in the German capital. Turning to Africa, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi has inaugurated the China-funded International Diplomatic Academy in Tunisia during his visit to the North African country. His trip follows a visit to Egypt, where the senior Chinese diplomat began a tour in Africa in line with the well-kept tradition of foreign ministers starting each new year with a visit to the continent. Adnan Chaouji reports from Tunis. The ties between Africa and China have been growing every year. And once again, the continent was the first stop for a Chinese foreign minister at the start of the year. After visiting Egypt, Chinese foreign minister Wang Yi arrived in Tunisia for the second leg of his tour. He joined his Tunisian counterpart, Nabil Ammar, in inaugurating the Tunisia International Diplomatic Academy in Tunis. The Tunisian foreign minister says the academy is the result of the deep friendship between Tunisia and China and a concrete outcome of the Belt and Road Initiative. Tunisia appreciates China's selfless help and support. Tunisia will run the academy well, creating an important platform for exchanging experiences and enhancing understanding and serving as a bridge connecting the two countries and the world, making contributions to the development and progress of human society. The Chinese foreign minister says that over the past 60 years, relations between China and Tunisia have developed healthily and steadily. China and Tunisia are dear and faithful friends and partners. During the first China-Arab summit at the end of 2022, a fruitful meeting was held between His Excellency, the Tunisian President Kai Saeed, and President Xi Jinping. A few days ago, President Xi Jinping and President Saeed exchanged letters of congratulation to celebrate together the 60th anniversary of the establishment of Chinese-Tunisian diplomatic ties. Wang Yi underlined the exceptional level of cooperation that binds the two countries. We are keen with the Tunisian side to execute well the important compatibility between the two presidents and to strengthen the mutual political confidence and to deepen the mutual cooperation and to reinforce the approachment between the two peoples to achieve a more shining future in bilateral ties. China's top diplomat added that through joint efforts, the Diplomatic Academy in Tunis has become the only one of its type built by China in Arab countries, showcasing the high level and quality of China-Tunisia relations. The China-funded International Diplomatic Academy will facilitate the training of Tunisian diplomats with international standards. The project will also offer training opportunities for Arab and African diplomats within the framework of the Belt and Road Initiative. That was Adnan Chawuchi on a Belt and Road project in Tunisia. Still in Africa, Uganda is hosting the 19th summit of the Non-Aligned Movement. The five-day summit is bringing together about 120 heads of state under the theme of deepening cooperation for shared global affluence. Nick Mundimba reports from Kampala. 93 out of 120 member countries attended the first day of the summit of the Non-Aligned Movement in Uganda's capital, Kampala, on Monday. About 4,000 guests are expected at the summit. 
350 delegates took part in the plenary session early in the day that ended by those in attendance considering the draft Kampala final document prepared by the political committee and economic and social committee. The main agenda of this summit focuses on sovereignty, equality and territorial integrity of all the non-aligned movements member states. This is one of the biggest global meetings that Uganda is hosting after the Commonwealth Heads of Government Summit held in 2007. Amid global tensions, the five-day forum will be more inclined towards fostering solutions to the problems currently being experienced around the world. Delegates are still streaming in here in Kampala, Uganda for the summit. So in the next few days, there'll be a very conspicuous transition where it will be political from NAM to now economic for the G77. That was Nick Mundimba reporting from Kampala. In China, the launch site for China's Tianzhou 7 spacecraft has completed the final rehearsal ahead of the cargo mission. All is ready for China's first major space mission in 2024. Zheng Yibing has been at the Wenchang spacecraft launch site. We are here at the Wenchang spacecraft launch site. We're here to witness the initiation of the very first launch mission for manned space programs both for China and the world in the year 2024. The Tianzhou 7 cargo ship atop the long March 7 Y-8 carrier rocket were smoothly transported from its assembly building to the launch pad. The carrier rocket has been improving in its reliability, such as in its control system and engines. This is a continuous process. We have greater confidence to the missions and are expecting the success of this mission. The cargo ship is by far the most powerful one in the world, with a carrying capacity exceeding 7 tons. Inside, it contains supplies and experimental devices for the upcoming China Space Station mission. Shang Peng, an expert in science payloads, shared his thoughts. I participated in the Tianzhou 1 mission back in 2017. As an expert of space science experiments, we have returned here with other teams to conduct research on the effects of zero gravity on life. We aim to have further exploration. Now the launch site is ready for the mission. We completed the test in the assembly of Long March 7 carrier rocket. We checked the subsystems and conducted a general inspection. Now, all devices and equipment in the rocket are in good condition, with indicators showing normal readings. The flight combination is awaiting further tests and refilling before the launch mission in the coming days. That was Zheng Yibing on preparation for the Tianzhou 7 space mission. In Oceania, Nauru has announced its decision to sever ties with Taiwan and commit to the One China Principle. The Pacific Island nation says it will recognize Taiwan as an inalienable part of the Chinese territory and no longer develop any official relations or exchanges with the region. Nauru has a land area of 21 square kilometers and a population of 13,000. It lies about 3,000 kilometers north of Australia. Greg Navarro visited the island. The island of Nauru is so small that driving around the entire country will take you about 40 minutes, a trip filled with picturesque views of the Pacific Ocean and welcoming people. Nancy Benjamin Tamaki and her daughters have been making and selling one of the country's most popular dishes here for about a year to supplement the family's income. Coconut fish is everyone's favorite. It's like a signature food in our country because it's all local fish coconut from our island. There is one major supermarket and the country's biggest structure is the airport runway. 
Nauru is heavily dependent on Australia as its major source of financial support. Nauru used to prosper economically from phosphate mining, which is still extracted and exported. But the industry has taken a toll on the island, exhausting the harsh land and making growing produce here extremely difficult. We are looking for it, but most of the time it's expensive in the shop, so maybe it's easy for them to eat meat and all those things apart from vegetables. Experts say the lack of fresh fruits and vegetables and heavy reliance on imported processed foods has contributed to one of the highest rates of obesity in the world. Nauru holds a couple of distinctions globally. It is the smallest republic on the planet and one of the least visited countries in the world. About 200 people come here annually and there are a couple of reasons for that. One is the fact that it sits out in the middle of the Pacific. The second, the country is surrounded by jagged coral reefs discouraging cruise ships from including Nauru as a destination. Regardless, people here have a special relationship with the ocean that surrounds them. It's sort of like a medicine to us. It can, you know, body cramps or muscle ache. We can go and swim and then it's, we feel better afterwards. It's a country where people are closely connected. Everyone knows everyone. We're family. And extremely proud. It's just home. Of their tiny Pacific Island nation. That was Greg Navarro introducing Nauru. Recapping today's headlines, UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres is calling for an immediate ceasefire in the Gaza Strip, stressing that the humanitarian situation there is beyond words. A survey of some of the world's chief economists ahead of the World Economic Forum meeting suggests the world will see imbalanced development in the year ahead. And we introduce Nauru, which is set to re-establish diplomatic ties with China. And that's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.